Welcome to this episode of the Greenville Oaks Message Broadcast. The mission of the Greenville Oaks Church of Christ is to inspire people to follow Jesus because we are convinced that following Jesus is the best way of life possible. Find out more about Greenville Oaks or connect with us online at greenvilleoaks.org. As always, we ask that you subscribe to, rate, and review our podcast. It makes it easier for others to find us. And now, on to this week's message with Lead Minister Colin Packer. with you and say, I never thought I would start a sermon with a line. Today's sermon's about Ezra, Haggai, and Zechariah. And maybe, I don't know, is is there anyone out there, this is, one of these three books is your favorite book in the Bible or makes the top list? We didn't have any in first service. I didn't expect anyone, Bueller, right? No. Why don't we try this again? Have you ever had a stirring or a calling that you just couldn't get out of your head and your heart. I want each of you to think about that. We call them different things depending on where we are in our faith journey or if we see ourselves as followers of God or not. But we all have, I think, these emotional responses, these callings, these stirrings that happen within us that, no, we want to live for more than what we're currently living for. We feel some stirring, and some of us would call it the movement of God. Some of it would call it coincidence maybe sometimes. Others might not know what to call it, but there's something working in our souls that stirs us to more and to do things that are beyond what we could do ourselves. And for some of us, it's been a while since we've had one of those. The dream uh, or vision at one point you couldn't let go of. It it, it mastered your life. It was the very thing you uh, pursued, but for some of us, it's been a while, and, and this morning, I want to encourage us to pick up that dream, that passion, that vision again. Maybe it's been decades, or maybe it's been since the pandemic, or maybe it's been since debt's been a, a stressor in your life, or may, it could be any number of things. But this morning, instead of just kind of sitting back and going about life as we normally do, I want to ask if maybe that stirring is something God wants to stir once again in you. Because life can sure take it out of you, can't it? 2020 (laughs) sure took it out of us. And it can be different things, right? We can get distracted. Sometimes our grief and our sorrow lead us away from those passions. Sometimes we hit roadblocks and it becomes a thing that we question if maybe we misheard or maybe we didn't understand that calling. But it's time to dream again. It's time to press forward. It's time to fulfill the calling God has placed on your life. And I think Ezra, Haggai, and Zechariah have something to say to spark that once again, to to breathe a wind through that spark uh, of a coal that needs to be relit. It's time for us as the people of God to fulfill what God has stirred in our hearts to do. I want to pray right now that He'll do that even this morning. 
in our lives. God, we, we ask you this morning that whatever has gone dim, whatever has gone dark, whatever is not stirring us as it once did, that is of you, that you would stir it once again in our lives right now. God, for some of us, we're just starting out in life. We're maybe students that are thinking about college, and we're thinking about what you're stirring in us to do at this next stage. And God, I pray you would stir our lives in that mode. And, and others of us, God, we're in the middle of our, our, our years of trying to pursue that thing, God. And there's not too many distractions around us. And God, I pray you would stir the hearts of people that are there. And, and for others of us, God, family and um, security has clouded out the thing that was a passion for us at one time. And just trying to make sure the bills are paid is enough on our plates. God, help us see more clearly. And others of us, God, that we thought this would be the season when we'd pursue the calling and mission, and yet things have not gotten easier, and we're still putting it off. So, God, I pray today that you would speak to our hearts wherever we need it, because your kingdom definitely needs your body using our gifts for the sake of your calling. So God, however you want to work this morning, I pray you would do it. I pray you'd pour through me the gift of preaching so that Christ would be formed in our hearts. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, at this point in the story, the children of Israel have been working for their Babylonian captors for three generations. Jerusalem is a long-lost memory. Jerusalem is just the story that grandma and grandpa and maybe the great-grandparents are telling about the days when the temple was around and God used to work in powerful ways. But this generation has never seen Jerusalem. They've never seen the ransacked temple. They've never seen the crumbled walls. The children of Israel even struggle to identify themselves with Jerusalem because Babylon has always been home for them. Thankfully, there were people like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who at least stirred the, the idea that God was still moving in the midst of Babylon through their works in their days. But then the most remarkable thing happened. There was this king named Cyrus, who was the new king on the throne over Persia, which includes now the city of Babylon. And King Cyrus has made a proclamation in his first year on that throne that would have shocked the Jewish exiles. And God had something to do with that uh, proclamation. You can find this in your copy of the story on page 263, or you can open up to the book of Ezra, uh, or on your phones, find it there in Ezra chapter 1, verse 1. The words will also be on the screen. I want to read uh, this story. In the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, in order to fulfill the word of the Lord spoken by Jeremiah, the Lord moved the heart of Cyrus, king of Persia, to make a proclamation throughout his realm and also to put it in writing. This is what Cyrus, king of Persia, says. The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he has appointed me to build a temple for him at Jerusalem in Judah. Any of his people among you may go up to Jerusalem in Judah and build the temple of the Lord, the God of Israel, the God who is in Jerusalem, and may their God be with them. And in any locality where survivors may now, now be living, the people are to provide them with silver and gold, with goods and livestock, and with free will offerings for the temple of God in Jerusalem. Now, who would have imagined that a pagan king would be the one to say, now it's time to go back and rebuild Jerusalem? And not only that, I'm going to make sure all the resources, all the gold and silver will be there to finish this task. 
There are many in Jerusalem who would have signed up for this task, right? To get to go back home to begin the rebuilding effort. But there was a phrase in the following verse, in verse 5, that I want to read that grabbed my attention about those who went to build the temple. Verse 5, Then the family heads of Judah and Benjamin and the priests and the Levites, everyone whose heart God had moved, prepared to go up and build the house of the Lord in Jerusalem. Now, the NIV, that phrase that grabbed me was, everyone whose heart God had moved. But in another translation, the ESV, I think it actually captures the original language, the Hebrew better. Everyone whose spirit God had stirred. The people who went to build the temple were not just people who wanted to get out of Babylon free card. They weren't just people who were trying to get out of exile. There's something about these 50,000 people who go back that God had stirred their hearts, stirred their spirits to be about this. And that brings me back to where we started our message this morning. God still does this. God still stirs the hearts of His people to do remarkable things for the sake of His kingdom, for particular purposes today. And some of us use the language of calling for this. But my question to you is this, when is the last time you felt your spirit stirred to do something by God. Calling can come in various ways. I remember when I was thinking about what I was going to do, I was thinking about what are the passions I have? What do I love to do? And how could God use my abilities and my passions to be about calling? And I think that's one way that God calls people. But there's another way that's a little more unorthodox I've found over the last few years that is another way. And there's probably more ways than this. But one of the questions I would ask you if you're trying to figure out what your calling is, is what makes you angry? Now, that may seem odd because we think of anger as something that we're supposed to do away with as Christians, but there is a righteous indignation that is a gift of God. It's actually to know the injustice in the world. It's to know the wrongs that are done. It's, it's to have this sense of somebody needs to do something about this. And there have been times in my lives where I've asked that question, where I've been stirred up about something that I think was a stirring of the Holy Spirit. And my question is, why is no one doing something about this? And I, I point others to the problem and they're like, not as passionate as I am about it. And that used to really frustrate me for a long season of my life until I realized that maybe the reason I'm angry about it is because that's the calling God's placed on my life. There's something about how I'm made up, how the Spirit's calling me, that not everyone is called to this thing, but I'm called to this thing. So instead of spending all my energy trying to be upset with why others aren't upset, maybe it's my job to go and do something about it. So I would ask you that question as well. What makes you righteously angry? What is it when it comes across the evening news or it, or it comes across your social media timeline, you think somebody's got to do something about that? Maybe it's your calling. But a calling is one thing. Then you've got to do the work. Around 537 BC, Zerubbabel is the name of the commander who Cyrus uh, encourages to lead these 50,000 people who have been stirred in their spirits by God back home to Jerusalem to begin their rebuilding mission. And they begin their rebuilding effort by constructing an altar on which they would sacrifice their burnt offerings to the Lord. Listen to what it says in, in Ezra chapter 3 verse 1. When the seventh, seventh month came and the Israelites had settled in their towns, the people assembled together as one in Jerusalem. Then Joshua, son of Je uh, Josadak, and his fellow priests, and Zerubbabel, son of Shiltil, and his associates began to build the altar of the God of Israel to sacrifice burnt offerings on it in accordance 
with what is written in the law of Moses, the man of God. Now, think for a moment with me. Why is it so important that the temple is the first thing that they construct? Or even more simply, why this altar? Why is it the first thing that they're supposed to instruct? Because we know that God does not dwell in the temples that are made by human hands, right? I mean, there's a sense in which His presence is there in the temple with Solomon, but God doesn't need a house. But there's something about this picture of a temple that lets us know, that illustrates to us, that teaches us about ourselves and about our God as well. The temple is a picture, for one thing, of God's powerful proximity to his people. The temple is not put on the outskirts of the city. The the temple is placed in the center of the heart of the, the most important city in all of Israel. It's in Jerusalem. It's near the people It's placed there for a reason to remind us that God wants to be here in the neighborhood. God is proximate to his people. But it points out more than that. It also points out the sin of of us as human beings. Because not just anyone can enter the Holy of Holies, right? There are rituals. This altar is going to be important because even the, the Holy of Holies can only be entered by the priest when the proper sacrifices have been made. And so we see that This God wants to be close to us, but there's something about the holiness of God that demands that we become right before this God. And so this temple was an educational tool that foreshadowed what God would later do in Christ Jesus because Jesus Christ is going to one day be a sacrifice as well, a once-for-all sacrifice. And this Jesus moves into the neighborhood, puts flesh on. The same thing the temple does, it, it gives people an idea of what to look for in the Messiah who's coming. So they get to work on this temple, but as things often happen with callings or house projects, any spouses want to raise their hands this morning, it it can get a little discouraging and it's hard to complete. The same thing happens for the Israelites. After a few years, they lost track. They lost their focus. They get distracted. Listen to this in Ezra chapter 4, verse 4. Then the peoples around them set out to discourage the people of Judah and make them afraid to go on building. They bribed officials to work against them and frustrate their plans during the entire reign of Cyrus, king of Persia, and down to the reign of Darius, king of Persia. By the end of chapter 4, it's even worse, verse 24. Thus the work on the house of God in Jerusalem came to a standstill until the second year of the reign of Darius, king of Persia. And this is actually where the prophet Haggai is going to pick up. You see that last verse, it says, this is the second year of the reign of Darius, king of Persia. That's that's actually the very beginning words of Haggai, who's this prophet, who's going to speak to them in their discouragement as they become distracted. So I want to read from Haggai 1, verse 1, as we continue the story. In the second year of Darius, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, son of Josadak, the high priest. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it a time for you to yourselves be living in the paneled houses while this house remains a ruin? It's a hard word, isn't it? Let me read that again. Is it a time for yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains a ruin? What happened? See, at one point, God had stirred these people's hearts to come, and they construct the altar, and they start building the temple, but then discouragement comes. They had once had God stirring their hearts toward a task, but as challenges and roadblocks and discouragements came, they laid down the task they came to accomplish. 
They quit showing up to the work site one by one until eventually one day no one showed up to the construction site. God's big thing had become their small thing, and their small things had become their big things. But somehow 16 years had passed, and the temple sat untouched. It turned into an abandoned construction site. And I imagine as this is happening that the nations around them are looking at their rebuilding effort and and the success they've had in discouraging them, and they say, well, I guess Yahweh didn't matter as much as they thought Yahweh mattered. And, And a generation later, the kids whose parents once had this passion to rebuild the temple, now those kids are saying about their parents, well, I guess worship of Yahweh wasn't so important after all. Meanwhile, while God's house languished, people's houses flourished. They're paneled houses. They're taking care of that. They built their businesses, their enterprises, and they grew more miserable as the days passed, is what Scripture says. Let's read on in verse 5, Haggai 1 verse 5. Now, this is what the Lord Almighty says, give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. Does anyone have one of those, by the way? This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why, declares the Lord Almighty? Because of my house, which remains a ruin while each of you is busy with your own house. Therefore, because of you, the heavens have withheld their dew and the earth its crops. I called for a drought on the fields and the mountains, on the grain, the new wine, the olive oil, and everything else the ground produces, on people and livestock, and on all the labor of your hands. These are important verses because some of you know exactly what this feels like. And the response is, consider your ways. Give careful consideration to what you have done You want to know how God responds to lethargy, to misplaced priorities? You just read it. You ever want to know what happens when we make His big thing our small things and small things our big thing? Now you know, like the prodigal son, you think you want something and you wind up desiring the pig's food. Like Jonah, God lets us sink with a fish. He provides droughts and downturns and difficulties. He puts a chill in the corner office. He puts a dent in the savings account. He permits a drought to come on the farm. Life is marked by futility. The more you work, it seems like the less you get in return. We plant much, but we harvest little. Now, what do we do with a passage like this? We I think we need to be careful with it because you can hear this as a stinging rebuke that when you go on with your day, you come up to a red light and you think, boy, I must have done something wrong to find this. Or a common cold comes and all of a sudden you're looking around wondering why God's upset. I'm not saying that every single difficulty we face is because of our failure in some way. But listen, because here's what I do want you to know. There are seasons of life where difficulty comes when God is trying to wake us up to see There are seasons when nothing quenches our thirst no matter how much we pursue things we thought would. And why? I think it's so that we'll examine our ways. Am I preaching to anyone this morning? Is this connecting with you like it's connected with me this week? 
You once had a dream. You once had a vision, a passion, a calling, a stirring in your life, a fire in your belly. But the fire for some of us has gone dim. The passion has faded. And you find yourself just paying bills and trying to get by, hoping and longing for the day when the debt will finally get canceled and you can go back to the passion. Or when the kids are gone and then finally there will be a time. Or or when when the, the retirement comes and then you can finally pursue the passion that once stirred. And enough of that when this happens then. When this happens then, what you realize is there's no passion to continue to stoke because it's not there anymore. And if you're in that place, I want you to listen to Haggai's challenge one more time. Verse 7 of Haggai 1. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. If right now you're in a cold place, that passion has left you, your job is to go up into the mountains and to take down timber and to build the house again. And I don't know what your mountain is. I don't know what that timber looks like for you. And I don't know what it looks like to build it once again. But this is exactly what the people of Israel do. And I want you to watch what happens as a result. Haggai 1 verse 12. Then Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, Joshua, son of Josedach, the high priest, and the whole remnant of the people obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the message of the prophet Haggai because the Lord their God had sent him. And the people feared the Lord. And then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message of the Lord to the people. I am with you, declares the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, son of Josedach, the high priest, and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. They came and began to work on the house of the Lord their God on the 24th day of the sixth month. The Spirit hadn't stirred for a while in these people, but what happens when they command this? God says, look, I'm with you. You got the timber from the mountain. You're ready to build my house. And he stirred up the spirit of the leader and the entire people to complete the task. And that's what we read when we go back to Ezra chapter 6, verse 14. Listen to how the story ends. So the elders of the Jews continued to build and prosper under the preaching of Haggai the prophet and Zechariah, a descendant of Edo. They finished building the temple according to the command of the God of Israel and the decrees of Cyrus, Darius, and Artaxerxes, kings of Persia. The temple was completed on the third day of the month of Adar in the sixth year of the reign of King Darius. And then the people of Israel, the priests, the Levites, and the rest of the exiles celebrated the dedication of the house of God with joy. They did it. They accomplished the task. They rebuilt the temple. They went up on the mountain and they brought down the temple. And twice God says in the midst of this, I am with you. And church, I believe the very same thing is true of us today. I believe that God is with you. I believe God is with our congregation. Church, in our day, it's time to rebuild the temple. It's time to get back to work. Don't mistake what I'm saying. I'm not calling for those of you who are at home to hear this as some kind of message of guilt when you don't feel safe to come back and worship to fill our our seats here. That's not actually what this is about at all. Although I will say that some of you are ready and if you've been dragging your feet, we're ready for you. We'd love to have you. 
And so maybe this is a time to do that. But my exhortation isn't about filling a worship assembly. It's about returning to the calling that has lapsed in your life. It's about returning to the moment where God was stirring something in you to do something. Or maybe you didn't even know to call it God, but you knew you had abilities and you had passions. You had anger or you had love and passion and you were called to do something and something stopped that. Something put those plans down. Something left you cold and, and something left you focusing on your own houses rather than the temple of God. We all have distractions and doubts. But your passion has a purpose. Your calling can make a difference. Whatever it is that makes you angry might just be yours to answer. So church, I want you to go up into the mountains. I want you to bring back timber. And along with that, I want to remind you that the Lord is with you. And as you do that work, that calling, that stirring, that passion is going to return to you. We need an all-hands-on-deck call right now. We need some of you to come out of retirement. You've got spiritual gifts that Collin County needs. You can do something that no one else can do. You have compassion that no one else in Collin County has for that particular matter. You can do something no one else can do. You can write checks that no one else can write. You can be committed and you can give your heart. Now, I just want to say, some of you are right there. Some of you are in your passion. You're doing it. You're leading. All I want to say is keep going. Others of you, you're coming into it and you're, you're ready to take the next step. And I just want to give you every encouragement I can. But for others of you, you know that this has grown cold. And you know that it's a time to step up. And you don't know if you have it in you. And I'm here to tell you, you don't have it in you. But there's a community of people here who want to hear that calling and who want to journey with you up that mountain and find whatever timber that's needed for the passion and calling that God has in this season for you. And I believe God's message through Haggai to all of us is this. Come back. Be about the big things of God rather than the small things of the paneled houses that we tend to get focused on. Amen? Let's close with prayer this morning. Father, there are so many things that sidetrack us from the things that are most important, the big things, the things that we once set out to do that somehow have gotten sidetracked by the small things. And sometimes those small things are things that we love deeply, God. Our, our, our children that we long for. And, and sometimes you redirect our small things and you help us realize that those distractions may be the new calling you've given to us. But God, for others of us, we, we know deep down what it is you've called us to do. We know deep down, God, that your kingdom is not what it could be without all of the members of your body using the gifts, the spiritual gifts you've given them. And allowing this church to be the engine, the encouragement through your spirit for all of us to accomplish those tasks. God, the church, your kingdom is at its best when every one of us is stirred up in our calling to go about that task. So God, for some of us this morning, it's been days. For some of us, it's been weeks since that passion has been clear. For some of us, it's been months. For some of us, it's been years. For some of us, it's been decades. But there's still that spirit, that stirring, that calling that is within us, calling and saying, would you reawaken this calling? Would you climb the mountain? Would you find the timber? Would you go to work on your house? God, we want to commit to that again today in whatever form it may take in our lives. 
We pray this prayer, God, that you would give us the courage, that you would give us your spirit, that you would let us know that you are with us for the sake of your kingdom and your glory. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. I'll be standing now as we close this morning. Church, may you come to know the big thing of God. The big thing that we're all about, but the big thing that God has called you to be about. I mean, you be most about those things. And may the small things that have become the big things pale in importance to those big things God has called us to do. May we go in peace today. Thank you for listening to this message from the Greenville Oaks Message Broadcast. We hope this message helps you to inspire people to follow Jesus because you're convinced, like we are, that following Jesus is the best way of life possible. Connect with us on Twitter. You can find and follow us there at Greenville Oaks. Discover more about the Greenville Oaks Church online at greenvilleoaks.org.